This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. He's not just coming and giving them the history lesson again. No, I believe that what he wants them to understand is that though they had been longtime recipients and beneficiaries of God's grace and His mercy and His salvation, believe that He also wanted to remind them that yes, and even in the midst of all of that, God is also holy, He's righteous, and He is a God of judgment. In today's message, we'll be given a warning. A warning against the deception of false teachers. Understand that there are still wolves in sheep's clothing today. There are still people out there who are being used by Satan to confuse, steal, and kill. So how can we be sure that we're not one of those who are being deceived? Well, it's pretty simple. Make sure that you hold everything you see and hear up to the Word of God. If it lines up, it's of Him. If it doesn't, it's from the enemy. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 5, for part one of our message entitled, Woe to the False Teachers. We are moving slowly, primarily because I wanted to lay a really good, solid foundation of the reason that Jude is writing, and the importance of that is for you and I today to understand that the problem that Jude was dealing with in the first century church is still a problem that we deal with today. Because, again, false teachers and and false prophets and those that would fleece the sheep are in the church today even as much, if not more so, than they were in the first century. The great danger had already come upon the church. That's the reason Jude was writing, the great danger still moves within the church today. That's why this message is still appropriate for us today. The early warning system for the church had already been given. As a matter of fact, Jesus, as he ministered to those that gathered around him, often would speak to them of being aware of those wolves that would come in with sheep's clothing, those that would come in and devour the flock. So Jesus had already spoken about this. The other apostles, the writings of Paul and of Peter and of James and of John, all shared the fact that there is a danger that comes into the church as these false teachers come. So now, as we're looking at this, understand the earnestness, the intensity that Jude writes, because he knows that inside the church, right now within the church, the danger is there. So let's look, and I am going to back up into verse 3 as we begin reading this morning, but if you'll follow along with me. Jude writes, Beloved, While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Verse 6, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. 
Verse 7, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also, these dreamers defile the flesh. They reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, he dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them! For they have gone in the way of Cain, they've run greedily into the error of Balaam for profit, and have perished in the rebellion of Korah. Pretty powerful declaration that Jude makes here. Let's look back, if you would, and again, that whole idea, as we shared last week, Jude had already told him that these men had crept in, and remember we shared a couple of weeks ago, actually, we shared about these creeps that have creeped into the church, and uh, they're creeps because they creep in, okay? And so they come in, and they come in unnoticed, and Jude says that they're ungodly men. There is a condemnation that's already laid upon them. But he says in verse 5, I want to remind you, though you once knew this. Jude uses that particular phrase there in verse 5. Again, that idea of though you once knew this, that we read in both the King James Version as well as the New King James Version. But unfortunately, it's not a really great translation of the phrase that Jude uses. In actuality, what Jude is saying is, though you have known this all along. He says, you once knew that. He said, in other words, you, you knew this a while ago. He's not coming to them about something that they had forgotten about. Something that, well, you know, you learned this before, but now you've forgotten. Now I've got to retrain you or reteach you. That's not the idea. It's the idea that he comes. He wants to refresh their memory. He wants to put it back on the front burner of their thinking once again, particularly because there in the fellowships, destruction was there among them, living among them. It's, it's not unlike when you and I, we read in the Word of God, uh, a passage that we've read before, maybe multiple times. And then as we're reading this word now at this point in time, suddenly there's this re-revealing of the truth that's there. It's a, it's a freshness. It's a, it's a way that connects with us where we're at at that time personally. I mean, we can read about how the Lord is our ever-present help in a time of trouble. But suddenly that passage really comes alive when we're in a time of trouble, doesn't it? If everything's smooth, we read and say, oh, yeah, yeah, he is. But then suddenly when the bottom drops out of our life and we can read that and say, Lord, you are my ever-present help. Lord, I come to you in that. We can read all about how God is long-suffering and he's merciful. And we can be blessed by that. But you know what? It becomes an even greater and a deeper blessing after a time that we've failed after a time that we've fallen in our life, and we can go back into the Word and we can say, thank you, Lord, that you are uh, long-suffering, that you are merciful. It brings a freshness to us. Well, it's the same situation here. Jude is telling them, I know that you know this, but I want to bring it back 
to your memory again. Bring it back to your thinking once again. I want to remind you once for all. And he says to them, uh, he speaks to them then three examples. One of them there in verse 5. He says, the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. He's bringing to them three Old Testament events as, as an example of what's going to happen to these men that have crept into the fellowship. What were the three stories that he's going to share? Well, here we see as Israel comes out of Egypt. In a moment, he's going to speak about angels, fallen angels, and again, the, the destination for those. And then finally, he speaks about Sodom and Gomorrah. All of these that the recipients of this letter would have been familiar with, all of these stories. But I believe that part of what he's saying is much, much more than just the reminding of them of these events that have happened in the past. He's not just coming and giving them the history lesson again. No, I believe that what he wants them to understand is that though they had been longtime recipients and beneficiaries of God's grace and his mercy and his salvation, believe that he also wanted to remind them that, yes, and even in the midst of all of that, God is also holy, he's righteous, and he is a God of judgment. As he brings these things, just as he speaks to them, just as God has demonstrated these things to them, he wants to show them that God is not ignorant of these things. God's fully aware of these situations that were going on within the life and the body of the church. And so they, the church, and you and I today as the church, we also need to be reminded once again the graciousness, the mercy of our long-suffering God stands right beside the reality of his power, of his righteousness, and of his judgment on all those that would reject his plans, his purposes, and his designs. This is what we all need to continually be re-reminded of. This is what we see these three examples given by Jude. God was gracious to the children of Israel as he took them out of Egypt. As he brought them out of Egypt, Egypt didn't come out of all of them. Some of them brought the same attitudes, the same heart, even as they got out into the wilderness, as they were on their way to the promised land. They were quick to receive the the benefits of his great blessing, and yet they were unwilling to submit themselves to the leadership of Almighty God in their lives. They rejected his plan, his purpose, and his design for their lives. They were saved from Egypt, but they were not saved unto salvation. Again, the understanding and and how you look at that is an understanding that the church has dealt with for years, for centuries. It's the aspect, it's the idea of what is called this, this common grace of God, these common blessings of God. They received the blessings of God even though their hearts weren't surrendered wholly and completely to them. They were among those who were saved, but many of those that were among those who were saved were not saved. And just as Jude reminds them, most of those children, those Hebrew children who escaped out of Egypt, they weren't faithful. 
You can look back in the pages of the story of the Exodus and you can see the rebellion that continued to come against Moses and against Moses' leadership. And so this entire generation perished in the wilderness and the Bible is very clear. They perished in the wilderness because they did not believe. This is a part of what Jude wants the church to remember. After the example of the children of Israel, Being rescued from Egypt, he gives us another example. There in verse 6, he speaks about the angelic beings. He says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. And here again, we see that not only is our God a God of grace, mercy, and salvation, but at the same time, he is that God of holiness righteousness, and judgment. And we need to have that just hammered into our brain. We need to understand that. Some will say, oh no, God is a God of love. But beloved, that's only a part. That's a part of the truth. God is also a holy and a righteous God who also deals in areas of judgment. We need to have both of those be the balance of our own personal theology. We also know that God is a God of order and a purpose in his creation, in all of his creation. God has a purpose and a plan and a design. He has created the angelic host here for a specific reason, for a specific function. And yet we find throughout Scripture a lot of examples of how some of them who had moved out of that order had moved out of the design and the purpose that God had created them for. They left their proper domain, their abode, and therefore God is preparing again uh, for them this everlasting, eternal judgment. They rejected, they moved against His plan, His purpose, and His design. And exactly which time Jude is referring to here, we don't know. A lot of people go back to the Genesis 6 account and said this is what he's speaking about here, where the uh, sons of God came to the daughters of men and they bore children, but that's not necessarily what he's referring to because we see the reality of fallen angels all through Scripture, where they've stepped out of the domain, they've stepped out of their place and their position that God has designed for them. Again, we don't know for certain which area, but we do know that in the writings of Jude and the parallel writings of Peter, they're speaking about those that had rebelled against God. And we see the same idea, the same understanding of rebellion against God's plan, God's purpose, and God's design, even as we move into the story or into the event, into Jude's reference to Sodom and Gomorrah. In verse 7, he says, as Sodom and Gomorrah. And the cities around them in a similar manner to these, and I I believe he's talking they were similar to the angels, again in this rebellion against God. He says, the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Beloved, the thing that I say it over and over, and I know I'm repeating myself, but... You and I need to understand, we need to have driven home in our own life, that God does have a plan. God does have a purpose. God does have a design in all of creation, and that includes your life. But as he's speaking here of those in Sodom and Gomorrah, I believe that we need to understand that he's speaking much to a much, much bigger issue 
than the homosexuality that was taking place in Sodom and Gomorrah. Was that a sin that they were doing? Yes, it was. But, beloved, the greater portion of that sin was rebellion against the plan, purpose, and design of God. And that's why we can't pick out any one sin and say, oh, that one's worse than any other. Any time that we move outside of the plan, the purpose, and the design of God, beloved, you need to understand that we are sinning against Almighty God. And I believe as Jude is speaking of these that are creeping in, that's what he's saying. He's not saying that these that have come into the church are acting as homosexuals. That's not what he's speaking about here. What he's speaking about here is that there's judgment upon them because they're moving against God's plan, against God's purpose, against God's design, and God has already for them, planned out their condemnation. It was set up long ago. It's a much, much bigger picture than one or two particular sins that we might look at. He's speaking to all of us. That's why Jude is now able in, in this whole passage to continue on with that bigger picture, and that picture of rebellion against the mind and the heart of God. Look at what he says in verse 8. Likewise also these dreamers, they defile the flesh, they reject authority, and they speak evil of dignitaries. And again, as he lists these primary areas of concern, these symptoms of rebellion show up in the, in the choices that these men are making as they bring these false doctrines into the church. And Jude speaks about these actions. He says they're defilers of the flesh. He says that they have an anti-authority mindset, a, a failure to submit to the authority or that's set before them, the authority of God as well as the authority that God has designed there in the churches. He also says that not only do they fail to submit, they show no respect for authority. They put themselves above those who God is placed in position of authority. There's a lot that can be said on all of these. I mean, I could have gone back, we could have looked at the story of the rebellion of the children of Israel, the fall of the angels. We could have looked at Sodom and Gomorrah. There's so much within this, and I encourage you to to look into these things, but we're going to continue on. Verse 9, he speaks of Michael, the archangel. Even Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, I don't know if you've caught this or not, but what Jude is referring to here is not a biblical example. There's no place in the Bible that we read that story of Michael and Satan getting into a battle over the body of Moses. So what is he referring to? He's referring to actually other literature, other non-biblical literature. As a matter of fact, it's a a Jewish tradition, and it's in the writings of, of a book called The Assumption of Moses. The Jews don't look at it as Scripture. The Christians don't look at it as Scripture. But within that book that was written uh, early, early on, again, from the Jewish tradition that was sent down through the ages, he comes back to this battle. It doesn't mean that the battle wasn't real, but neither does it mean that the Assumption of Moses suddenly becomes scriptural for us. No, Jude is referring to something that has been passed down through Jewish tradition. This battle was there. And at the midst of that battle, Michael says, or again, Michael in that battle against Satan, he comes up and he says, I'm not going to rebuke Satan. 
No, I bring him to the Lord. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Why? Because he knew that there was a place of authority. He knew that there was a standard of authority. And Michael was someone who was under the authority of God, not the authority of Satan. No, understand that. But he knew that God could deal with him in a much greater way than what he himself could. These false teachers that Jude speaks about, they don't respect authority. They don't respect any kind of authority or even angels. They stand against God's order of things. Jude goes on in verse 10. He says, These speak evil of whatever they do not know, whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts. In these things, they corrupt themselves. They think, they process, they, they move in, in a natural realm. Like brute beasts, like animals, is what he said. Their human logic, their natural desires, their fleshly appetites, that's what moves them. That's what controls them. And they have absolutely no regard for the things of God's kingdom or the working of the Spirit of God in their lives. And as they continue to move forward, they bring themselves deeper and deeper into self destruction, and they move closer to the reality of eternal condemnation by the acts that they are doing. They continue to move toward that final judgment of Almighty God. So verse 11, Jude says, Woe to them! Woe to them, because they've gone into the way of Cain. They've run greedily into the error of Balaam for profit, and they've perished in the rebellion of Korah. Once again, as Jude brings these points about, he's referring to these Old Testament events as examples for them even now in the New Testament. He says, woe to them because they're like Cain. Cain was one who devised his own manner of worship without any kind of regard to the design of the mind or the purpose of God. His attitude wasn't that of pleasing God, but simply of going through the motions on the outside. While sin reigned in his heart, he mocked the reality and the holiness of God by simply going through the motions. Aren't you glad that people don't do that today? It's a sad reality, isn't it? In the midst of sin, people that go through the motions of religion without any regard that the judgment of God is going to come upon them without any regard that the holiness of God has set forth a design and a purpose and a plan. And again, it's not by sacrifices that he's pleased with. It's by the brokenness and the contriteness of a heart that comes and falls in worship before him. It says these that have crept into the fellowship, oh, they go through the motions of religion, but they don't have the heart and mind of God. So I say, Lord, save us. Save us from empty religion. Save us from being satisfied with ritual without a hunger for your presence in our lives. He says, woe to them because they're like Balaam. We can go back and look at that story, but we don't have time this morning. Balaam was a prophet, and he was actually a prophet that was anointed by God. And it's a difficult story to understand because here he's taken that anointing, that blessing that God had given him, and now he's become a prophet for hire. 
And he'll prophesy whatever you want him to prophesy if you give him the right amount of money. And that was the situation with Balaam. But I love it when Balaam was paid to prophesy against the children of Israel. As he began to prophesy against the children of Israel, God gave him prophecies for the children of Israel. He says, I, I tried to prophesy against them, but the Lord won't let me. And so, again, that battle came. In essence, I believe that what he's saying, that they've become like Balaam, is they pretend, these that have crept into the, the church at that point in time, they pretend to serve God while all the while they are serving themselves. Balaam was greedy. He was lustful for the things of this world. And yet there was no desire that we see within his life at that point in time to be found obedient to God, particularly regardless of any kind of a personal cost. We have those within the fellowship of believers that pretend to serve God while they're simply serving themselves. Yeah. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have a Saturday evening and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to TheOpenWord.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now, we want to be sure to tell you how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Simply log on to TheOpenWord.com. Our website has today's message available for you to download. For more information about The Open Word or Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, we encourage you to log on to TheOpenWord.com. Remember, at the website, you'll find quite a bit of information about The Open Word and a link to the church website. So log on to TheOpenWord.com today and get to know us better. We wish we had more time today to share more of David's message from the book of Jude. But we've run out of time for today. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God richly bless you.